All right, happy Sunday. And I was debating before starting this. I usually go on a walk on Sundays and Thursdays because those are like the days that I take off from working out just to do something active but not like overexerting myself. And usually I like on those walks to listen to what God has for me. And I was debating if I should do that before or after. But I really want to get this recorded and posted, so I'm going to do it after. But um, anything that I get in the coming weeks, or in the next few walks before the next episode, I will be sharing. But um, I don't know if you guys might be able to tell. The reason, well, one of the reasons I decided to go ahead and just go ahead and record this is because I know it's going to get my spirits up. And my spirits are a little downcast today. Maybe it's because I didn't get to go to church. My family woke, I got woken up. Well, so I went to a concert yesterday. I went to the Elevation Worship Nights. It was wonderful. But um, we got home pretty late. So I slept until about nine. And I wake up to a text saying that my parents, their class that they usually go to before second service got canceled. So they're just going to go to first service. And I know I can go by myself, but um, I decided to stay home and go ahead and listen to my old church on recording. And I think that might have affected my mood a little. Um, also, the fact that I didn't get the best quality sleep since I was home so late. and But also the biggest thing that I think is going on is spiritual warfare. And... Um, I know exactly the reason for that. And the reason for that is for Lent, I decided I'm going to give up social media. And when I have social media, I get flooded with um, a lot of stuff. I get, it helps distract my mind. It keeps me busy. It keeps my mind off of things I don't want to sit down and deal with. And giving that up um, has shown me that I have a lot to work on. I have a lot of work to do with my relationship with God, and this has given the devil a foothold because, you know, I literally woke up yesterday and today and every day, and I either have, like, one text message or nothing, literally nothing. Like, yesterday morning, I literally woke up, and um, I try not to get on my phone first thing in the morning, but when I did look at my phone... It was literally completely blank. I think the only notification was like the verse of the day. And I didn't realize how that would make me feel. I didn't. And um, that's why I think it's really um, a good time for me to be doing this. Um, Giving up. Basically, Lent is supposed to be giving up something that's um, impeding on your relationship with God. Something that's distracting you. Um, showing yourself of your showing your self control like the fruit of the spirit, and just allowing you to grow closer to the Lord in that. And I will admit I slipped up once since I've done it, and um, but I I um, deleted them all again. I only had to uh, download them for like thirty minutes, and I was like, Autumn, what are you doing? And like I mentioned on the last episode, if you mess up. It's okay. Start over again. And um, God gives you grace. Just ask for forgiveness and do it again.
So that's where I'm at. And it's really hard. It is really hard. Also, I've been very emotional lately, but um, that's another topic. Um, but yeah, it's been very, very difficult. And I think it's good for me. Because I really need to sit down and deal with um, really honing in on what God wants for me. And um, believe me or not, I do believe that doing this and putting out um, content just about God and like my faith, I feel like gives the devil an opportunity to come because he doesn't want God to be spread. And um, yeah, so I'm kind of dealing with that. So I'm kind of hoping that speaking these truths into my listeners will also speak them into my life. And after this, I'm going to go over to a park nearby and walk and soak in the sunlight and the beauty of the creation God's created. And hopefully that will give me a better set for my week ahead. All right, so for today's episode... I'm diving into the final commandment that God gives Moses for his people. And something, I don't know if I had mentioned this before, something that we need to realize about these. So obviously, we will not be personally punished by God if we don't follow these commandments. I mean, we will reap the consequences of, in some sort of way, but... Basically, these Ten Commandments were before the Holy Spirit could come into the people because the Holy Spirit couldn't come into the people until Jesus came, died, and left. And now we get the Holy Spirit. And basically, through growing our relationship with God and through listening to the Holy Spirit, through being sanctified, and just through constant communication with God, these commandments should just be a fruit of your life. And so these are kind of just a check. And um, they shouldn't be a rule book, but they should be something that we are trying our best to adhere to and should be a fruit. So you can check like how your relationship with God is going, maybe based on how well you are doing in living out these things. So the 10th commandment is what I'm focusing on for this final little episode of this series and um, if you see the title, it's called Fighting Covetous- Covetousness. I think that's how you say it. All right, I just did a little um, searching into the podcast I'm going to talk about, which inspired me to title it this. And I guess it's covet- Covetous... Wait, Covetousness. There's like a CH sound in there. So forgive me if I kind of mess up on that throughout this. But so the 10th commandment is all about kind of this jealousy, this coveting of other things. And God is warning the Israelites about this and giving them this commandment. And this is in Deuteronomy um, chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Do not covet your neighbor's wife or desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And so that's kind of like, he kind of lists out different things, but he's basically saying like, as a whole, you shouldn't covet what your neighbor has. And I am going to talk about a few truths that go along with that. But first, um, if you're not sure what covet is, it's similar to jealousy and covet means, um, by the Oxford dictionary definition, it's yearning to possess or have, but I will state a different 
definition based on the podcast that I was listening to about this. But first, I want to go through a couple truths, and these kind of relate to when you're feeling like you wish you had something else, you wish your life looked like someone else's. Um, Number one, each person has a different purpose and role in God's plan. Therefore, their life will and should look different from your own. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's kind of talking about the spiritual gifts and the body of Christ and how everyone kind of has a different different role. Like they're a different part of the body and that's actually a good thing because we need all the different parts for different functions, but in the end they all come together and form the whole. So um, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20, which says, Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if there were all the same part, where where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So basically what that's saying is, like, think about your body. Um, Think about, like, each part of it. And, I mean, if you removed any certain part of your body, there would be a lot of trouble associated with that, you know, for people who are blind. Like, imagine how much they have to go through. And, or, like, think about your fingers. Like, maybe you think they're insignificant, but think about all your fingers do, like, grabbing and feeling like the sense of touch and being able to, you know, do all these different things. Maybe you don't even think about it, but then like, if you lost it, you'd be like, oh dang, I really did like, didn't appreciate what I had. In the same way, each of us are part of the body. No matter what our role is, small or big, it's all important. And oftentimes even the things we think are small end up being bigger than they are. But Um, also what it's kind of talking about is like, we each have a different role because if we all had the same role, like imagine just like, instead of all our different body parts, we were literally just an ear. But do you realize that if you only had an ear, all you could do is listen. You couldn't talk, you couldn't taste, you couldn't touch, you couldn't walk, like all these different things. Like there's every part of your body does something different for you and it all works together just in God's perfect design for how a human is. And so that's kind of what that's talking about, how everyone has a different purpose and role and everyone's life is going to look a little bit different. Um, Truth number two, each person is in a different life season, a different level of sanctification and a different level of spiritual maturity. So while you are in a season of spiritual warfare um, and being refined, someone else may be in a season of blessing and peace. We, like, life goes through hills and valleys, right? And sometimes when you're in the low, you get to watch someone else who's going through the high, and that may make you feel disappointed. But if we go to Ecclesiastes, if we go to um, chapter 3, it's titled in my Bible, The Mystery of Time. And it says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every action under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, 
a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search and a time to count as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sew, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Each thing has its season. Each, um, or like where I was going with that, is each season of life has a deep purpose because um, maybe in the hill on the mountaintop, when you're getting everything, you're getting blessed, it helps you realize um, how good of a God he is and how he blesses his people, and it helps you experience joy and see a glimpse of heaven. But on your lows, you're being built up, and you are gaining wisdom, and you're gaining all these tools in your tool belt for your next hard time or to share that with someone else. Like Each, each thing has its place, and also with that, with there being seasons, you can know that you are not going to be in that valley forever. There's going to be a time for you when you're going to make a breakthrough. And God sees you no matter where you're at. He sees you up on the highest mountain and he sees you down in the lowest valley. He sees you everywhere and he knows what you're going through and he has equipped you for the season you're in. He has given you everything you need. That's all you need to realize and cling on to. Um, this, um, I also put no season is any less important than another. I think I mentioned that. Um, the third truth, a brother or sister in Christ's win should be an opportunity for you to celebrate with them and not a reason to lack contentment. So if we go into Romans, it did take me a second to find this verse, but um, if you go to Romans 12 verse 15, I really like this verse because it gives us a picture of how we're supposed to treat our fellow, um, well, I would say all of our neighbors, but specifically those in the church and those we're beside in the faith. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And basically what that's saying is you should be happy when someone gets a new opportunity, like a new, like when they get blessed, when they finally get that, that, um, kid that they've been trying for when they finally get that job opportunity. You shouldn't take that as a reason to be like, well, they got what I wanted and now I'm upset because why didn't God give me, why wasn't I the one that God gave that to? Instead, you should be congratulating and truly feeling joy and um, you should not be using that as a seed to place um, any sort of resentment or anything in your heart. You should be being like, oh my gosh, God bless them. What a good like example of the kind of God he is. And still putting hope in your own for knowing that your blessing, whatever that, however that may come, is coming. It's just not right now. And same thing with you weep with those who weep. So even when you're going through blessings, if someone is going through a hard trial and they need someone beside them there to help them through, you should be there for them. So it goes both ways. Um, a few things I wrote is your season of prosperity will come if you just remain faithful and follow God's leading while loving God and loving others and focusing on what you don't have or what you want to have, which is someone else's 
actually takes away the beauty in what you do have and where you currently are. So if you're so focused on your future, like what you want in your future, you're so focused on wanting what that person has, you're focused on how much better life would be if X, Y, Z, you're missing out on the beauty you have in what you have now. Like for me, giving up social media, I'm maybe like kind of like, oh, I miss like having attention, like being able to communicate with others, like having something to keep me busy. But I'm missing out on what the beauty I have right now is because um, it's so true. The season of loneliness is where you're going to be built the best. You're going to be built the most when it's just you and God. That's literally where I am. It's literally so close to being literally just me and God. And as hard as it's going to be, and as as hard as it is, sorry for the stutter, um, this is where I'm going to be shaped most and ready for when I can re-download social media and use it in a healthier way. Or maybe I decide I don't even want it, and I'm so content in God's purpose for me and everything that I don't even want that distraction. I want to keep going in this season. Like, um, it just depends. You just need to find beauty in each season because everywhere, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. There's always something to look for and be grateful for and celebrate. Even if it's such a small thing, like you are still alive. God could have taken you at any moment. You could have, anything could have happened to you. Like you just need to be happy. You still have the breath of life. And if you still have the breath of life in you, God is not done with you. Sorry, that was a little rant, but, um, also, you need to realize that covet covetousness will choke spiritual life. So basically, there are things that, if you allow them to keep going or occur, are going to put a block between your communication with God, and covetousness is definitely one of them, um, just because I'll talk about it in a little bit, but it's actually telling, it's literally you kind of pointing at God and being like, why? Why don't I have that? Or telling him that he forgot to give you something. You know, God, you forgot to give me enough money this month. Like, what's going on? So basically, you're pointing out a flaw in God's character, which there are no flaws in God. So it's a sin in that way. And it puts a block between your communication. Okay. Um, In James 3.16, it says, For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. Which means, in other words, that envy and wanting to have more or better things for yourself opens the door to all other sins and starts the downward spiral away from God. So, like, you being envious or trying to get something out of selfishness, like, maybe God—so, like, an example of this. If God—you're like, God, please give me this job. Please Like you go to an interview and you're like, please let them give me the job. And God's just like, no, this isn't the right job for you. Or maybe he has, he wants you to do something else first, et cetera. Um, Selfish ambition would be God clearly telling you like, not right now. And you going after it anyways, you stepping in and interceding, you like continually calling them like every day, like, hey, am I going to get this job? Or like trying to do something and not just letting God step in and show you the right way. That would be doing something out of selfish ambition. So basically, um, 
whenever you let those types of things into your life, it opens the door for Satan. So I don't know if you've heard this, but once you say okay to doing one sin, it's like opening the door for just like a wave of sin to come into your life. Because once you're okay with one thing, it's just going to keep going. And so we need to be strong against the devil and do our best to block out every single type of sin. Because if like even just a little thing can cause for chaos and evil, every evil practice, that's what James says. Um, Envy here, um, the definition I found online is having discontent or resent aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. So again, it's the disconsentment or resentfulness towards someone else, which obviously isn't how we should be. Um, if we go to Philippians chapter 2, this is uh, verse 3 through 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So literally, like when you are envious, when you have covetousness, you are saying that you're more important than someone else. Like, that person got this, or that person's prettier, or that person had, like, got the job before me. That person has a better house, etc. It's actually, it's actually a form of being selfish because it's saying that we need something, that we want something for ourselves instead of being satisfied in where we are. And um, I kind of was alluding to this earlier. Not only is this sin against God who you're envying. Oh, wait, sorry. Not only is this a sin against who you're envying. So like if you're envying your brother getting X, Y, Z, not only is it a sin against them, it is also a sin against God. You are basically showing him you know better and he messed up and or you forgot about giving or he forgot about giving you something. And this is disrespecting God's character, which is flawless and planned. God planned every step of the way. He knew what was going to happen when he, like before you were even born, he knew your whole life. He knew every step of how your life would go. He knew every decision you'd make. And let me tell you, you may not, it's very hard to believe at some seasons of your life, but God has provided you with everything that you need. He's provided you with everything, every person, every material thing, every opportunity. He has provided you with all of that, all that you need in this season of your life because he wanted you to have the specific journey. And all he wants, if you are feeling this sort of way, if you're feeling uncontent, you need to turn to God because I promise you that he will fill you with that feeling of contentment you are lacking. You know, I was just at the mall yesterday and I look around and man, is it so easy to fall into this trap of envy. Like not only like in the stores, like wishing I could buy everything and wishing I could get, you know how it is. You go to the mall and you're like, well, if I had all this money, I could like actually be pretty. I could have every, like I could have the style I've always wanted. I could have, like I could go to Whole Foods and get every single perfect food to have the perfect diet. 
and I could go get my hair and my nails done. I could get a facial. Like I would be a whole new person and everyone would just look at me and be like, wow, she's beautiful. Like, I'm not going to lie. I fall into that trap a lot. And the other thing is when I'm walking around the mall, you know, there's a lot of people there and you see people and you think, man, if I just look like them or man, if I just had, you know, that designer bag like they did, if I just had that car like they did, maybe that would make me happy. Maybe I would get what I wanted. Maybe that guy I've been trying to impress would finally be into me if I just look like that. And that is exactly where the devil wants you to be. That's actually one of the reasons I got out of business and I got out of marketing because that is a marketing thing. They're trying to make you feel like you need the newest, latest, and greatest. And God is saying, you don't need anything. You literally need me. And I'll tell you, when you come to me and you are filled by me, everything else will be given to you. Everything else that you want because your desires, when you're that close to God, your wants will become his wants and everything will be fulfilled. First step, say, God, here I am. You lay down everything. Like you see the disciples, they gave up everything. They were in the middle of working. They literally dropped their stuff didn't even say, well, I need to go grab some clothes. Well, I need to go grab some food. Well, I need to go grab my phone. That would be us now. <laughs> or something like that. I need to go grab some money in case we go stop and then get need to get some food. God's like, his invitation to us is, you don't got to bring anything. God is going to give you all you need. And as much as I'm sitting here saying that, and I believe that, do I practice that? No, I'm not perfect. In fact, I would even say I'm like in a season in my life where I'm living very far from that truth. But nevertheless, it is the truth. That's what God that's where God wants us. The devil wants us to never be satisfied. We always need more. We need more money. We need a better car. We need to go get our hair done. We need to buy this. We need to buy this supplement, this new thing that came out. We need to go get it. We need to look like this. We're always trying to strive for something. And it's like, why can't we just sit there and be content with where God has brought us? So hard. Okay. So I believe this is the passage that the podcast I was kind of referencing, I'm going to be referencing here for the next few minutes. Um, it's in first Timothy. So give me a second. It's chapter six, verses six through 10, which states, but godliness and con but godliness with contentment is great gain for we have brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into a temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So this podcast, it's by, um, it's called Light and Truth Podcast, and it's 
wait. Okay. So ignore the fact that the title is the same. I didn't mean to steal that. But the title of their episode is also Fighting Covetousness. So, you know. Um, but so his definition of covetousness based on this passage is desiring other things. So in turn, your contentment in God diminishes. In other words, contentment contradicts covetousness. If you're trying to get rid of covetousness, work on your contentment. And we should seek to find contentment in God. Not in, not be like, well, you're right. I have a really nice house and I have some cute clothes. And you know what? I look pretty good. So I'm content. No. Because listen, if you're content in that, the second any of that gets taken away, you're going to lose it. We want a contentment that's solid and stands the test of time, which means we look to God and we say, I have you. I'm content. Do not add anything to that. Do not. I Don't be like, well, I have enough money and I have God, so I'm content. So what? The second you don't have enough money and you're struggling, you're not going to be content, which, I mean, is an easy enough thing to fall into, and it's very understandable, but where we should be at is... I literally just need you, God. I literally would be happy no matter what. I could be living on a shack on 71, off of 71, getting my food from scraps people throw out their windows. But you know, I have you, and you wake, are waking me up each day. I have that little shelter, you know. You're keeping me safe. You're providing. I'm dependent on you, and I am satisfied. That's the type of faith and contentment we should have in our father. Like that may seem extreme, but it's, we really want to be in that mindset. Luckily, we're not likely going to have to deal with that situation for most of us, but we literally should be content in God to that point, to the point where no material thing replaces it. Um, the battle against covetousness is a fight against unbelief. That's what the pastor here talks about. So, Basically, if you are envying and coveting what someone has, you are not believing that God is who he says he is. You're not. It's just the truth. Because God says, I give you everything you need. I provide. I'm Father. I love you. But then if we're saying like, oh, but you didn't, you're not giving me this thing. Or, you know, that's what I'm struggling with. I will um, totally admit that. There's some things that I want God to give you, give me. I've been praying over them. But you know what? I think what God is trying to tell me right now is, Autumn, you need to be satisfied in me. Because the truth is, right now, I'm kind of in a state of, I feel like God hasn't given me everything. Like, I don't know how to word it. I feel like God's holding back. And I feel like God's not listening. And God is trying to pull me into this season with him where I truly feel completely filled with him, where I truly feel connected to him, where I feel content in this season of loneliness, where it's literally basically just me and him. And in turn, he will bless me after that. But my contentment and my love and my faith and my joy should not be based on anything that God will do for me in the future. It should literally be based in being content where I am and being happy that I get to call on his name and be in relationship.
that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, and then also on that podcast, the pastor says what I kind of said at the beginning, that ultimately the Ten Commandments are a fruit of the faith and not of works. In reality, we can fight fight jealousy through faith and belief in God's word, which will lead us to a feeling of contentment in God alone. All other routes of trying to be satisfied will never sustain. And actually, Paul does an amazing job. It's um, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. So everyone kind of knows 13, but I will say it gets pulled out of context. But let me read it real fast. It says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And that last verse is the one that sometimes gets pulled out of context because it's like, well, I can do everything. I'm just unstoppable. And it's like, well, technically God could do everything. But what Paul is saying in this verse is he's talking about contentment. He's talking about no matter what I have, I'm content because I have God. I'm content whether well-fed or hungry, he says, whether in abundance or in need. And he doesn't depend on how God blesses him in order to bless the one. Like, if the wording kind of was off there. But, like, basically, he's not saying only if God gives me this, I'm going to be happy and content and joyful in him. No, he's saying no matter what. No matter if God takes everything, like Job. No matter what, I'm going to keep praising my Savior. And... Um, the last thing is, so the thing I went to yesterday called Elevation Nights, the pastor Stephen Furtick, which if you haven't listened to any of his sermons, I would give them a listen. He gets very passionate. They are, they're very cool to listen to. He is based in Charlotte, but he comes along for these Elevation Nights and he will do some sermon. He did a sermon last night, a short one, and he recently released a book. And my mom was like, well, you can get something. And I was like, heck, I'm going to get a book. None of the clothes really stood out to me this time. So I was like, I want to get the book. I really love reading and I need to get into it more. But it was interesting because this morning I was reading the introduction. And one one of the things he talks about literally relates to this so like super well. So it this is what um, the pastor said. If you are constantly working from the assumption that you need to become something you're not, you'll never be happy with who you are today, and you might die trying to produce something that was never put in you to begin with. So if you're looking like, maybe you're like, well, my future self will be better, and you're not content in who you are today, who God says you are, or you're looking at someone else and you're like, well, I need to be that, and then you start striving after that, but if you're striving after that because based off what you saw someone else, did you ask God about it first? Did you ask God if that's your purpose? Because then you might spend your life fighting um, fighting after and trying to strive after this purpose that wasn't even yours to begin with. And I promise you, like, when, when you start going after God's purpose for you, it's just going to all fall into place. It's all going to make sense. But if you're trying to strive after something that wasn't even yours to begin with, it's going to be a constant battle and you're going to be fighting for something. And once you finally realize 
what God has you here for, and you're content in that, and you just let God do the work, it's going to be a much easier life, I promise you. So yeah, that's kind of what I have for today, all about um, fighting jealousy and I didn't, I mean, maybe I should title it something else because it's not really fighting it. I was just kind of saying like how it's contradictory to faith when you're jealous or envious or covets, covet something. So I hope you guys enjoyed and you can take something out of it. Um, I just think it's important for all of us to take a step back and look at our lives and realize not only how God has blessed us, but realize that all we need is God. And hopefully you can come to a place where you would be content if any everything got taken away from you except for him. So anyways, um, have a good rest of your week and I should see you guys next week.